0: Welcome to The Prestige, a podcast about film and filmmaking and and everything to do with film made by two people who love film, four people who love film. Um, Each week we take a new film and we look at it from different angles and talk about some of the themes and ideas that get thrown up by that film and end with our recommendations for further films to watch. At the moment we're in the middle of a mini-season, the whole of the third series is... Sequence of mini-seasons about uh, various directors And our director at the moment is Sophia um, I should say Coppola really because Americans do But we've been saying Coppola for the past month because that seems to make sense Anyway, we're looking at her last film today and more of that shortly First, we generally start talking about... um things we've been watching this week so Rob what have you been consuming in the way of culture
1: this week in my continuing watching other things as we've mentioned uh I've only got one new thing to about this week and it's it's a, it's a show where I'm horrifically massively late to the game I'm not gonna be beating the drum for a, a little known show here and that's the what, 2010 tv series justified uh starring Timothy Olyphant it is a... what's the word for it, boys? It's a... the phrase that uses Southern Fried Noir. It is a film noir modern set in the deep south of America with rednecks and Nazis and cowboys and all of that kind of thing. It is very, very good. It, it's based on a it's, uh, it's very, what's the word for it? It's very sort of not wholesome, the opposite of wholesome. It's kind of dark and scuzzy, and there are horrible people doing horrible things. Um, and the idea of this, uh, lawman, uh, Rylan Givens, who is more of a upstanding, you know, modern take on the, on the classic sheriff, the classic Western. It's kind of that mix of film noir with a Western with American history X thrown in for the mix. It went on for six series, I think it is, uh, and it finished up in you know finished up two three years ago now. Um, so I am well behind the curve on this, but I am I'm getting into that. What about you? Well, I'm
0: also going to talk about something that I feel very behind the curve on, and I'm a bit embarrassed with how behind the curve on it I am. And um, it it feels a bit um, neglectful of me to bring it up now because it's one of our sister shows, but. Um, the fact that I haven't got to it sooner, I can explain away with a child and other um, pressures on time. So this week, I have finally got down to listening to the Space Jam Continuum, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I immediately warmed to Cal and Chris, and I'd like the ridiculous nature of what they're doing, and the fact that, I mean, i I only listed the fir- first episode so far so just downloaded it this week. But the fact that each episode is sort of broken up into easily easily digestible chunks after watching each um, Loontoon's episode is, is... I mean, I'm not saying I've got a short attention span, but it's it's nice to have something <laughs> that's only sort of <laughs> 10, 15 minutes longer As time. So yes, I would heartily recommend that for those of you like me who've been... Most remiss in getting on board with the space travel.
1: Continue. I would say, as someone who's what forty episodes of you, yeah, you've got you've got a ride ahead of you. Like, like just, just knowing what y- you know now and <laughs> where they go with it over the next forty episodes is a delight to think of what you're <laughs> going to experience. Good. <laughs> I look forward to. It. They're they're in the mid the mid forties currently, just finishing up uh, the uh, the world war, um, and it's it's uh, it's fun. Good. As Sam mentioned, guys, we are continuing our Sophia Coppola or Coppola um, series this week and we're doing our our concluding episode and we will be looking at her 2017 movie The Beguiled we ask for your protection over our school and we pray that we will be kept from harm throughout the night Is he dead
0: no get him inside quick you're a most unwelcome visitor and we do not propose to entertain you
1: you'll find them easily amused essentially it is a adaptation and a remake of a book and a 70s movie in that order the beguile tells the story of a houseful of ladies a sort of now run down and almost abandoned boarding school into which a wounded yankee soldier arrives this is in the civil war in america and it's the inclusion of that masculine energy to this previously feminine household and it's about the impacts and the knock-on effects of those and the sort of the tragic outcome of, of that change of their environment and that chain and their all their reactions to it and how that upsets the balance of this house it is a very severe couple film it is a very, um, if that makes sense, a very sort of feminine-driven film, but it is obviously a remake of a Clint Eastwood film from the 70s. After last week's disappointing viewing of her last movie, Mary Ann how did you find this one, Sam?
0: I really enjoyed this film. This felt like, I mean, I i know you, you love the various reasons, Lost in Translation. I wasn't as enamoured as you were of Lost in Translation but I did very much enjoy The Virgin Suicides and I thought this was a a return to that for me Um, I mean I I don't know what happened with Marie Antoinette although seeing as how the the next film was the bling ring maybe her, her cinematic blip took a bit longer than we think um but this seems to be a return to form and it's it's really lo- I mean it's it's lovely to look at. Um there are long stretches in which not a lot happens and there are shots of beautiful scenery and it's kind of reflecting the fact that nothing really is happening in the lives of the people involved. Um it was nice to see Kirsten Dunst in a role that wasn't um, bubblegum, throwaway, teen idol. Um, and it, it, it was interesting, actually, to see that um Elle Fanny had been cast in the role that 10 years before Kirsten Dunst would have been in. Mm. Elfani Fanny was very good. Uh, Nicole Kidman was very good. Um, Colin Farrell, I, I like the, the way that the interactions with the, the various girls and women played out over the course of the film and how you saw the soldier changed as well. Your perspective on Corporal Bernie changed throughout the film.
1: Um yeah, I just really enjoyed it. Uh, I am glad. Rob, what about you? Well I'm I'm I can echo your feelings there to be honest. Um we are once in agreement. I having kind of been very disappointed in Mary This, well, I don't think it reaches the giddy heights of the of translation. I think it's a very good film, a very interesting film. It took me a while to get into it. It's quite a dense story, Um, and as you say, it is quite slow and languid at times. Um, And that kind of thing—that's kind of the word I'd use for a lot of it—is a kind of languid feeling of just like lazing in the hot sun. Mm. But I very much enjoyed it. I thought it was wonderfully shot. The use of the long lenses to kind of have foreground in front of all these characters as they move around outside. They they, they look through trees to see them. Every shot's dappled with a tree in front of things. Well, it's always kind of shot through things. And it has a very kind of encroaching, claustrophobic space. And despite it being a very large house in the south with a lot of grounds, it feels very very claustrophobic mm. and i like that it really kind of racked up this uh the tension in this film and this film is in many ways kind of a gothic tragedy it has that uh, element of creeping dread through the entire movie yeah you've got the uh this kind of slowly dying or it seems to be house with everyone's abandoned it um, and dying grounds and everything seems run down and all the um all surfaces are covered in dust or they're covered in leaves outside. And it feels this really kind of, from the first frame, you get this feeling that something very bad is going to happen. Mm. And it notably does towards the end. It feels like, I don't... I mean, I don't know whether it's
0: the presence of Elle Fanning that's doing this, but it it feels very much like a film that we saw recently. It feels like the the sense of creeping dread you get
1: in the Neon Demon. I agree, honestly. I have, I have that times. same note here, you know, Neon Demon question mark. But I wonder how much of that mm-hmm. is, and this isn't meant as a, a slut in any way. Elle Fanning can look quite inhuman in many ways. She has that kind of that beauty that seems almost otherworldly. Yeah. Um, and she has that kind of look of just she looks a little bit too good looking for the world, if that makes any kind of sense. And I think that can often end up with your feeling of like something weird's gonna happen here. And I think for you and me particularly, my only real exposure to Elle Fanning is Neon Demon. Mm. Um, and so I, I look at her, unlike the other actors, I don't know, or I know from so many things they aren't one thing. Whereas I look at uh, Elle Fanning, and I just see I just see Neon Demon.
0: Mm.
1: Um, but I, I, did, I very much did like it. I, I think you, everything you've raised there, you said that was was right. The acting is solid throughout. Colin Farrell, who I've I've been a fan of from way, way back, from his balicist angel days, uh, way back in the 90s, I thought he was very good here. And you're right, he does play that element of like, as, someone, as one review put it, you know, he's the cat who realises too late he's the mouse. Hmm. Um, and I think you know yeah. it, it, it's an interesting. Also, I mean, aside from it's how good it is as a film, I think it's an interesting exercise. It's this kind of feminist or feminine retelling of this very macho seventies film, Stone you know, telling that same mm. story but from the, from the from the woman's point of view. You know, it is always told from their point of view rather than the man's.
0: Yeah, and there's something I, I got a sense right at the end with that last shot with this this long lens shot with the body and the um, the figures of the woman in the background, I got the sense that there was something Lord of the Flies like about this. Mm. And you get a sense that throughout the film, it's been told from the, from the female point of view, and you can kind of see exactly where they're coming from at every stage. And then suddenly you realise just how far they've gone. And in the same way as, as you do when read, when I was reading "Lord of the Flies" for the first time, you think each of these steps was justifiable, and at the end there's something really horrific happened. Mm. And you think, well, how, how has that worked out?" So there's I mean, Lord of the Flies" very masculine book, it's a very masculine scenario, and this is the female version of that of that, sort of they, they become predatory without really knowing it.
1: I think it's very interesting that, uh, if you're jumping right into spoilers, that at the end, the plan to get rid of C- Corporal McBurney comes from the youngest child. Hmm. It is her idea to pick the wild mushrooms that would kill him. And I think you can draw a line from his, his explosion and his throwing of the turtle to that moment. Um, it, you're right, it has that moment that they are this... I suppose, this this world apart, you know, they've closed the gates off. And obviously, all the way through the talk of the Yankees being the enemy, and they're clearly, you know, not the Yankees. They're they're, they're the, the, the Southern Confederates army. But they don't let those people in, and they don't, you know, don't tell them about the Yankee, and they still close the gates to these people. And it does feel like, yes, this war is raging around them, but... They aren't really part of it. They aren't really part of anything. You know, this, this this man strayed into their world and paid the price for it. And then they just dump it by the outside and they move on. Mm. It was very kind of predatory. And, and you said, Lord of the Fries is almost it. But it almost feels like Lord of the Fries, Lord of the Fries, Lord of the Flies, where no one's rescued. And mm. with f- five years on and a hierarchy has been established and the world's been set up. It feels far more like that. I think that's where, whilst I, I've described it as, as like a gothic horror movie in many ways, I think it's heavy on the horror. You know, if you mm-hmm. take a step back and think about a lot of this, and yes, I don't think that they cut it off on purpose. It, 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 it isn't a plan in that respect. But their disconnection from reality and their disconnection from the world has led them to the place where... Literally murdering an injured man seems like the best plan.
0: There are a couple of things I want to talk about, and um, one sort of thematic I'll get onto in a minute. Um, one of them is the gun that Nicole Kidman loads at the beginning when she's she asks for bullets from the Confederate soldiers, and Colin Farrell ends up um, going going on a rampage. Mm. I believe is that the same gun? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, And I thought it was, it was to Coppola's credit that this didn't feel, I mean, this could have felt like a classic Chekhov's gun moment. Oh, yeah, we know this is going to happen from the very beginning. And it was to her credit that it didn't feel like that at all. I mean, this might be part of the sort of sense of inevitability about the film that it just, you just thought, oh, yeah, that's obviously what's going to happen. I mm. I I like that. Whereas sometimes with uses of Chekhov's gun, it feels a little bit like, oh, we know we know this is going to happen. It's, it's sort of almost metafictional, nodding, win- nodding mm. a wink to this like film convention, this stage convention. But here, it just it just didn't feel it didn't feel, I mean, staged or cliched like that. And I really like
1: that. I think that kind of helps with the, with the time period a little bit. I think if, you yeah, if this was set in the modern day, the madam walking around with a gun is a very different vibe to the madam walking around with a gun in the Civil War. Mm. And I think, like, yeah. it, it, yes, it, it is a bit of Chekhov's gun, but at the same time, because of the setting, it's not. Yes. You know, yeah, exactly. it, 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 you, you know the, if I wanted to find Chekhov's gun a little bit more, it's got to be about something anachronistic, something out of place. It's got to be about seeing a thing or having a thing that shouldn't be there or is unusual to be there. So you know, it's here. It's not unusual to have the the, the gun, mm. but because they're they're, li- they're living in a time of wartime, in a time in which they everyone had guns, you know. But having it a- in modern day, it is a gun. But back then, you don't see it in that same way. Um, and the same with the mushrooms Getting picked In many ways Because you view those As as a child's gun But because of the nature Of the life And the way it's Settled into the film You don't see it that way I think that's to its credit
0: Yes Yeah exactly um, One other thing I wanted to talk about um, And we get on to a, a theme of sorts here Is the idea that I mean Nicole Kidman talks a lot About this Towards the beginning Of the film And they, they seem to dwell On this a lot It's the idea of whether Christian or not, charity. Mm. Because what what are they doing to this soldier? What are they offering to him? And it seemed, the film seems to question the charitability of what they're doing, the extent to which they, are they saving him? Are they, I mean, because it ends up, that by the end, they're very definitely not saving him.
1: Yeah, it seems to call
0: into question what this
1: concept of charity actually is. I'd actually throw that a little bit wider than just charity. I think that the film, as I read it, as I saw it, is trying to do this exploration of what traditional feminine values are supposed to be. Mm. So you have the traditional values of domesticity, of piety, of chastity, of charity. And all of these characters at some point embody and defy these things so you do have the character of um i think it's alice played by Elle Fanning, who sort of is very sexually forward in her approaches towards towards um, colin farrell uh, and she's kind of defying the idea of of chastity and you know, kirsten dunce who is clearly doomed for a life of domesticity And she wants to run from all. She wants to forego that dream of, of, of her elders to be a domestic woman. And she wants to go, and then obviously, as you say, the idea of piety and charity, they do take them in, and, but towards the end, they don't perform charity. And I think the film is trying to explore this idea of actually literally going, here are the, here are the virtues that you say women need to be, or this area says, and I think there's some argument around whether, we've actually moved on from those values in this day and age, but it's trying to one by one take them apart.
0: Hmm. I think it's also is it's not just feminine, quote unquote, feminine values. it's going to question. It's quote unquote, masculine values as well. When, when you have Conor Farrell talking about what he did in battle and it becomes clear that, I mean, what he's saying is, there's a fine line between bravery and stupidity. Mm. you have you sort of call into question what it is to be a man, and you have him with that climactic scene with when he shoots a chandelier, shouting, "I'm I'm not a man," or is it slightly edit And anyway, yes. when he find, finds his legs gone, it it sort of it's, it's as if he's he's less his masculinity is much lessened then. So it's calling into question the, these traditional values as well.
1: Well, that's the, uh, you know, the feminist take on this story is that he, he learns to be a man despite what this era and maybe our era defies as making him a man. You know, uh, we still live in a world of, of masculinity being linked to violence and being linked to strength and being linked to the physicality of our bodies um, over many other things. And in this, you've got the male character is a deserter who deserted when he faced the realities of violence of war who then loses a leg and he feels he's lost you know the idea of his bodily ont- autonomy of uh, having a, a strong body he loses and he's well aware of his ability to get a strong mind and I think, and whether we, whether we agree with the decisions made or not, I think the, the sex scene that follows between, uh, his character and Kirsten Dunst's character is about him reclaiming part of that manhood and that part of that masculinity in that he feels that suddenly he still has the ability to be sexually attractive or, you know, and physically active despite losing a leg. And then that's why we see a much more contrite and much more forgiving and thankful. Character at the final scene before he's unfortunately killed.
0: One one of the things and, and another thing that I I did really enjoy about this film is the fact that our take on the character of the Corporal, in fact, all the characters involved, swings so rapidly as it progresses that mm. you think we'll you, you were on his side for quite a lot of the time at the start, as well as being able to understand what they, what the women were saying. And then suddenly when he says, look what you've done to me. Well, it's what he did to himself. It only mm. happened because of his sexual machinations and it's all his fault. And you think, well, you, you got what's coming to you. This, this was your retribution. How can you not see that this is this is all your fault? And you think, and and from being on the character's, character's side, you you've suddenly been separated from him a long way. And you think, well, this this was all all of this could have been avoided if you weren't like this.
1: So yeah, that's why I think I disagree with you. I think this is what makes it the gothic horror that it is, is it's no one's fault. Uh, yes, he he he, he said to so, you know, one character I'll meet you in the bedroom and then went somewhere else. But that that there isn't a clear line from that action, which not a great action, but him losing his leg. The everything that happens, it almost happens like it's it's predestined. For the second he arrives the ending the conclusion was foregone. Hmm. Um, and that's what makes it I think this kind of real tragic horror movie if you want i is the, is the feeling of just like the inescapable downward spiral that these people are who they are yeah. um and yes he he his reaction he uh, he blames them and he his reaction is not one of a of a logical mind or or sound thought but it isn't you know it isn't that they actually did this to him and i think this it's the same for the women i think this is why i kind of like it and i think that's why i've kind of liked the last month of um of Sofia is that uh, and this is going to sound, I don't know probably quite uh, obvious to anyone apart from uh, us, us white men but much like the Spike Lee month these films have shown me a in many ways a vision I wouldn't have seen otherwise a point of view I wouldn't have seen otherwise and worlds I wouldn't have seen otherwise and this week particularly you've got this cohort of women and unlike I think Virgin Suicides which were a lot of the sisters were quite interchangeable
0: Hmm. I think also just just to interrupt unlike the Virgin Suicides when the film is essentially from a male point of view like we don't get to see the
1: thoughts of the sisters really because it's all from the boys point of view Yes. And this, whereas this, you have these characters, and you, each one of them is as fully rounded and as fully complex as any other drama character. And we're so used to seeing that from a male point of view or the male characters. And here, they all get that. And they're. it isn't like any of them act out of any kind of out of character. These are their characters set up. Um, and I think, for me, that would have been really really interesting with this film to see that kind of in-depth exploration of this female dynamic and these female characters um, in relation to this single male character
0: Mm. I think even with Marie Antoinette last week where she didn't get it right it was still showing you an interesting uh, uh, as yet unseen female perspective on a situation where Antoinette has been very, um, very ob- obviously objectified throughout mm. history, and it's been largely from a male point of view. It was her saying, called her saying, "Well, let's let's hear things from her from her perspective." So, mm. in all of her films, even the ones that don't quite work, she's trying to do something interesting about gender and about the female gender.
1: I think you're right. There's, there's also an act of reclamation going on there. Mm. You know, is it Marionette is the reclaiming of, of that person. This this movie is the reclaiming of this story from a female point of view. And we didn't talk about some of her other films, but you know, things like the Bling Ring. You know, the the Hoist genre, which is a very male dominated genre. And sort of Oceans Eight, which came out this summer, th- this is very much the only really female lead hoist movie i can think of and yes it, it's a very different sort of hoist movie but it, it's the reclamation of that genre the you know, reclamation of that story from a fem, feminine and feminist point of view i think that's maybe where her career has gone and that's that's a all a, a laudable a laudable kind of direction for to go
0: hmm yeah
1: so sam do you have any recommendations for us following this week's movie
0: i do and um i've Got three this week, just because. Um, when we record this, it's the hundred fourteenth, hundred sixteenth anniversary of La Conquête de Pole and um, the Georges Méliès short, uh, a, a sort of pioneering sci- early science fiction film. And there is a and the Google do- Google Doodle today is a, a Méliès film, a Méliès inspired film. And um, it's available for free online, the original film. It's only 14 minutes long, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And it's something that everyone needs to go and watch. So spend 14 minutes of your time today doing that. Um, My recommendations proper, based on this film, are... um, Well, the first was inspired by this idea of... um, a, a masculine presence in an otherwise feminine world, and um, and for for all that you think of the film, and I wasn't a huge fan, and Robert was call you Robert. That's very formal of me. It was um, formal, yes. Yeah, was even less of a fan than I was. Um, it, but I I did enjoy parts of this film, and um, it's the twenty seventeen film Wonder Woman. Uh, with Chris Pine as the, well, not injured but stranded male soldier in a uh, community of Amazonian women. Mm. Um, my second one is incredibly rude one, uh, but it's it's a it's quite a fun film, and it's I mean, this this season I have been. Um, surprised, ple- pleasantly surprised with the fact that all a couple of films seem to be about an hour and a half long, Um because why does any film need to be longer than that? And this is another fairly short film, and short and fun, and it's the 2002 film Phone Booth, starring Colin Farrell. So those are my recommendations this week.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. I have also gone the Colin Farrell route to recommend a movie. Um, for my first one, and that is two thousands film Tigerland, essentially his first breakout movie um, after the Baddest Angel years. Tigerland is about uh, a group of recruits going through advanced training at Fort um just before they head off to uh, Vietnam in the seventies. He is very good in it. It is kind of it is a brutal, very kind of drama war movie. You know, it's it's that kind of movie. This isn't a fun movie. It's a very departure from his 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 Angel days and it certainly isn't the uh, the fun films things like in Bruges over the years but it is very well shot it's very moodily shot and it is shot by Joel Schumacher who we did on a previous month on this season Um, it isn't the one we talked about but it is another one of his good films um, and certainly better than Batman and Robin uh, which I think Sam particularly hated (laughs) My second recommendation is kind of thematic, but also kind of an actor. Um, It has uh, Nicole Kidman at the head, uh, the same way this one does. But it has the same gothic horror elements, and the same kind of much more on the horror than the gothic this time. Um, But that's the 2001 film, The Others. Now, I watch a lot of horror movies, and most horror movies don't, at this point, really scare me. This one did. This one, you know, now, now 17 years ago, really stuck in my mind and has stuck in my mind since. I've only ever seen it once since seeing it in a um, But essentially, Nicole Kidman plays a uh, a mother who lives in this kind of closing down house. It's all kind of boarded up um, with her two children who can't go out because they got got uh, skin sensitivity. They can't go into the sun. And they start to hear knocks and noises and things appear and it's a very classic um haunted horror movie haunted house horror movie until it suddenly isn't um, and i won't say any more than that to give away any other kind of the story but uh, it's very very interesting and very much worth watching and Nicole Kidman is brilliant in it in the same way she's brilliant in almost everything she does yeah. so yeah that is 2001's The Others so, guys, that's that's the conclusion of our Sophia Coppola, or Coppola month. I hope you've enjoyed doing it. It's been certainly an eye-opening experience for me to look at some of her other work, um, having been a big fan of Los Angeles Nation for so many years. We are moving on next month, next week, into a new director, and we're picking up with Baz Luhrmann. So we're going to be diving into his very first movie, which is 2002's Strictly Ballroom, a film that I've never seen. Till then, guys, you can find both
0: of us on Twitter at Pishy podcast You find just me at life underscore academic.
1: And you can find just me at Rob Kaiju. If you enjoy this podcast as much as we enjoy making it, please consider going to iTunes, giving us a review. It really helps us grow the audience and get the podcast in front of more people's eyes and thus ears. Till then, guys, we'll see you next week.